We live in a modern, hyper-connected world where everything is becoming smart and connected. Curious about what lies ahead and how this will impact your daily life? I'm Brett Jordan, and this is Smarter Everything, a podcast on the future of connectivity powered by a pharaoh. Today on Smarter Everything, I will once again be talking with Grace Burkard from IOXT. We'll be talking about various IoT security and privacy considerations. We'll also be diving into this topic a little more deeply than last time, trying to understand why this is so important and what consumers need to be mindful of. Here's my conversation with Grace. Grace, it's really great to have you back on Smarter Everything. Thank you so much for coming today. I love sitting down and having a chat with you about IoT and everything that's going on in the smart and connected space. Last time when you were on Smarter Everything, we talked a lot about IOXT and what IOXT is, what you're doing, how does this fit into the whole IoT security space, and then we touched on the new U.S. Cyber Trust mark. But since that conversation, I've been wondering and thinking, is there a privacy component in IoT that we need to be mindful of? Absolutely. Yes. You're hearing more and more about privacy. I think consumers are becoming more and more aware of it. This is definitely a big proponent in Etsy 303-645. It's a component in the U.S. Cyber Trust Mark. IOXT specifically has a privacy profile that we have a working group for currently and we're recruiting. So if anybody wants to come check it out and be a part of making history and standards for the world, come and join us. But yes, so privacy, I think, is a really big component. You know, you're hearing about transparency. So what kind of data is being collected? Data protection. What are you doing with this data? How are you protecting it? Are you encrypting it? Are you storing it? How long are you storing it for? There's also user consent. And so this is Am I saying yes to keeping my data or am I opting out? You hear a lot about opt-in, opt-out now. You're seeing, do you want to accept all cookies or just the required ones? Or can we track you, ask app not to track? So there's a lot more just in the last several years, right, that's coming out and coming to light because there's a lot of risk with privacy. And so we were just talking about the other day how there were 844,000 something cyber crimes just in 2022, according to an FBI report. And, you know, that led up to billions of dollars that happened for not just companies, but also personal for individuals. I mean, I've even had my own. I just started seeing some fraud on my own card. And I'm like, well, where did this come from? I haven't even used it for anything significant in the last several weeks. And I'm just so it makes you start thinking, okay, what sites have I been on? Or what have I entered my data into recently? And how trustworthy are those sites? So thankfully, credit cards nowadays are very good at catching fraud, right? And so you're able to shut that down, get the refunds. But IoT devices are not there yet. I think they're going in that direction. Some of them, good. But like to your point, most of the manufacturers just want that easy data. They want the easy sources. They don't want to have to put the time and effort and resources and money and people behind because, well, it's just out there. And why do I need to spend extra for it? But we've seen some real life experiences where if 
you don't, and everybody thinks, oh, it'll never happen to me. But when it does, and I say when because everybody's going to experience it. I mean, too many people get caught up in some type of cybercrime that when it does happen, hopefully you have the right protections in place because if something big happens, you're going to lose money. You're going to lose consumers because they've lost trust. That bottom line is going to get hit. It's just devastating for all sides. And so really, I think the big takeaway when it comes to privacy for manufacturers is do implement it from the get-go. Do spend the money to make sure that you're able to provide it to consumers because this is going to be a long-term investment. If you don't do it now and you get hit later, no one's going to trust you and they're going to go to somebody else. So I think it's worth it in the end. Yeah, and I think on IoT devices, they're a lot of times they're shipped with generic single board computers that are have been generalized for lots of different applications. They're not actually customized to a specific application. And so they may ship with a microphone, they may ship with a camera, they may ship with some of these other things that you may not be aware of, and they've disabled it in software, or they haven't actually made use of it in their application. And so they're like, well, what do we care? And so they don't disclose it. But what they don't realize is if that device gets compromised and new firmware gets uploaded or a patch gets uploaded to it, they can turn around and activate that camera or activate that microphone and use it for some purpose that was not disclosed to the end user and could potentially be gathering stuff that you're not aware of. I know there was a recent issue with one of the robot vacuums where it was taking pictures. They put a camera on it to get better imagery of the room so that they could use artificial intelligence and things like this to better map out where the robot vacuum could go and and shouldn't go instead of just using like LiDAR and other technologies like that. But then it took some pictures of the owners of the vacuum. And unfortunately, these owners happened to be in the bathroom at the time. They weren't encrypted and they were made available to the internal employees at the company. And then some of those actually ended up online And these are horrible examples of things that happen, but this is a real issue and it deals with the overall privacy aspect of IoT. And as IoT devices grow in massive numbers, I think the market really needs to pay attention. And so it's neat to hear that IOXT is trying to do something here. I think it's a really big problem. Oh, absolutely. There are so many instances that have come up in the last several years that we could go through about employees doing bad things or hackers doing bad things, you know, talking to babies through the baby comms or taking pictures of people in their homes without their knowledge, or even a casino had their network hacked through their fish tank thermometer, things that you don't think about and don't think, oh, this is how a hacker wants to get in. But everything that's connected to a network or the internet is under attack, right? It's up for attack. And so I think consumers need to be more aware of this. Don't think that your light bulb is safe or your smart plug is safe because who would ever want to hack a smart plug? But those are the things that could definitely be the most at risk because nobody's thinking. Everybody's now, oh, the baby monitors, the cameras, the routers, we have to protect those. But what about the fish tank thermometers and your vacuum? Because those are now the prime targets and you could definitely get hacked through these innocuous type of objects. So when 
you talk about consumers and them being coming more aware, I think it's important for them to start looking for types of labels such as IOXT or the US Cyber Trust Mark, similar to how they would for UL, right? Because it's hard when you get into the actual terminology of IoT, it's very high level, it's very technical, it's hard to decipher as an everyday person. And I will attest to this before I got into the IoT game, you know, I wouldn't know what to look for or where to even start. But now that I'm in it, it's like, oh, okay, you know, the basic thing. And I tell my parents this, I tell my neighbors this, I'm like, just look for some type of certification, you know, if it's Wi-Fi or Bluetooth certified, or if it's IOXT certified, just something that is showing it's meeting some type of baseline requirements and not just any random thing off the shelf where you don't know what's in it. You don't know what its capabilities fully are because you didn't make the device. You don't know technical aspects. So I think that that's the start of what consumers could do. I think the industry could do a better job at kind of putting things in layman's terms to make it a little easier to understand as well. But I think that's something consumers can start with right away. In my career, I've been on the cybersecurity side for a very, very long time. And I've done a lot of horizon scanning, looking into the future in the seven to 10 year time frame looking you know, at trends and where things are going and then doing analysis of probability of, of those things coming to be. And, and I remember eight years ago that I gave a talk at the FSISAC, the Financial Services Information Sharing and Analysis Center meeting. It was in San Diego. And I talked about the security of banks ultimately coming down to the security of a light bulb and how a compromised light bulb is going to be an entrance vector. Banks typically have a lot of really good security people, but nobody believed me there. But now we actually see that this is a real thing and this is a problem. And it's, you know, within eight years, it's come true. And going back to that, like when I talk or, you know, talk about security issues, especially around IoT, I often hear people say, well, I don't care about my light bulb. I don't care if it's secure. You know, what can you get? What kind of privacy? Like that doesn't matter. And what they don't understand because they don't know what they don't know or they have this situational blindness or this little bit of confirmation bias is they don't understand how threat actors actually work and how they gather data. And it's not necessarily any one device that's interesting. It can be in very specific boutique cases, but it's often in aggregate. And if you get enough information, you can really piece together an interesting story. I know years ago, my wife liked to read the blog posts on this baby site. I always told her, I go, you can read as much as you want, just never post. And she was like, why? And she's like, I, you know, I want to engage. And I'm like, okay, pick a person on there. And obviously this is slightly different than IOT, but it's going to make my point come clear here in a second. I said, pick a username of a person on there, not a troll and not somebody that only posts once a year, but just an average normal person. And then give me about 20 to 30 minutes. And when she came back, I could tell her where they lived, what they did for Christmas, all their vacations, all their kids' names, where their kids go to school, what their upcoming vacation is going to be, what technology they have in their house. I cross-linked it across all their social media. And I basically had an entire portfolio of this individual. And I said, tell me that a threat actor, a bad person, couldn't go find one of their kids 
walking home from school. They know their name. They know everything about their family. They know what they got for Christmas. They know what they ate for dinner last night. Like they could convince that child that their parents had sent them. And when you think about this IoT and smart and connected space, you're going to have so many more devices in your home and so many more devices that you interact with that if those aren't secure and you're not using a platform that has very strong protections for security and privacy, you're going to open yourself up to a lot of things that you may not realize. And so I applaud what you're doing at IOXT from the security side and working with the U.S. national label and then also your upcoming privacy pieces. And I think that's going to really help kind of put a new line in the sand to help the market understand, you know, what's really needed. Yeah. And to your point, you make really good examples. And I've got a couple more to add on to that to show like how scary this can be. You know, recently we had a privacy webinar and Jen Monroe, she with at sign, she used this example where, you know, if you constantly go to the same little corner restaurant every week, they end up learning, oh, what's your favorite food and what's your favorite spot, what time of day that you like to come in. And so eventually they can kind of get everything ready for you ahead of time. And it seems very nice. Now imagine you go to a different restaurant and they already know all that information about you. It comes off more as creepy than helpful. (laughs) And you know, that's exactly what these companies are doing. And so when you get it to a grander level, not only could somebody come and pick up your kid on the side of the road, but they might impact how you think, how you vote. You know, when you think about Cambridge Analytica and the attack on a whole population of, well, I want them to only see ads for this candidate, or I only want them to see bad ads for that candidate. And so now you're impacting a whole society, a whole country, and what could potentially change the dynamics of the world if you've got a power player such as the US. So when you think of it from that standpoint, It becomes really, really scary, but also really, really important. And you're like, oh, wow, this could really impact at a much grander level. So I need to pay attention. I need to demand more from what our government, from our manufacturers, from just the stores that sell them. There's voices out there that are doing this already. That's some of the things that we hear on our side is like, oh, why don't you want to certify? Well, we'll certify when our customers ask for it but the customers don't know any better, right? They're thinking, oh, it's inherently built in. I don't have to worry about it. And usually it's only when something happens that they figure out, oh, it wasn't secure from the get-go. And so I think it shouldn't have to be all on the customers to do the asking. I really do think manufacturers should step up and do this on their own. But I think it helps if consumers start to understand, hey, maybe this isn't secure. What should I do going forward to make sure that it is? How can I get the right understanding or knowledge? And, you know, if something's not up to standard, tell manufacturers by not buying their products, right? And I think that consumers have the power. They just don't know it yet. Consumers definitely have the power. Right now, I think the majority of consumer decisions is based primarily around price, which I think is unfortunate. A lot of times you don't really have to pay much more to get a better product, but just because you see it on Amazon and it's super cheap doesn't necessarily mean that's something that you 
should put in your home. So we've been talking a little bit about, you know, the security and the privacy pieces. When do you think IOXT would have a solution for privacy that could kind of maybe help the market here? Yeah. So with our privacy profile, we're working on this pretty extensively. We've been working on it for the last two years. So I will say it's not a quick process just because there's always something new coming out. But we are working really hard to try to complete this sooner rather than later. So I don't want to put a timestamp on it necessarily, but it would be great if it also came out in 2024 and made it available for manufacturers to certify against. That's really neat. So a follow-on question to these two major topics, you know, about security and privacy. And you touched on this a little bit already, but how does this relate to the EU work? You know, either the EDC EN303645 spec, the Cyber Resiliency Act coming out of the EU Commission, RED, also out of the EU, out of Senelec, and then even like the Singapore CLS, right? Because I know there's governments that are adopting the Singapore CLS system completely as is. And in looking at it, it's pretty solid. Like it looks like it's pretty good. And I I do know also that South Korea has run a spec through the ITUT study group 17. And that's what South Korea is adopting as their kind of test plan or whatever. But how do you think these things will work together? Will they, will you be able to get cross certification? And from a manufacturer standpoint, if you do one, can you get another? Is there a path even through IOXT? Like if I was to certify product, can I get multiple certification labels? Like how does that work? I think the world leaders are working towards harmonization. That's a pretty big buzzword in today's world. Everybody wants to make those standards available for everybody. And I would say you could probably overlap at least about 50% of those standards. But then you start getting into, well, is it higher level or lower level and who can make it and who can't? And so that's where the differentiation comes in. And that's why it's hard to completely harmonize. But I think it's going in that direction. There's definitely efforts. We were at Singapore last year and did a talk about the harmonization of standards. And so we worked with them on mapping our standards and theirs. We were working on mapping with Etsy EN303645 and CRA and Red Directive. So we're in the works of doing this to help with the one-stop shop type of certification. So if you came in, you could hopefully do cross-certification, right? I don't know if you'll get there 100% always, so it may be a fast path option. So if you've got IOXT, you've got 75% of CLS, or you've got 95% of EN303645, and maybe have to do a little bit more. But I think it can become very pricey and just a lot of time and effort and money to get all these different certifications. And when it comes to the U.S. Cyber Trust Mark, I know that I've heard Ann Newberger speak on it where the U.S. didn't have that one voice. It's a lot of different organizations, right? And so if you're going to have those issues within your own country, I think that really push the U.S. to come up with this and be able to have that one voice so then they can also work with other world leaders and help harmonize those standards as well. So that's what this U.S. Cyber Trustmark is doing. IOXT is already doing this. So I think we're in a good place for getting to harmonization. I think it might take maybe another 
couple of years to see it come to fruition where, you know, you can get all over the world. But, you know, you're seeing Singapore and Germany and Netherlands and the UK and others start to do this and work together. And so when you have world leaders starting to harmonize, especially in big player countries, I think that you're really going to have a better engagement and process and a little bit quicker than if just one country said, oh, we want to do this. It'd be nice to see that kind of harmonization. But as you mentioned early on, I think the EU is driving the market forward the fastest. And then for multinational companies and industries, GDPR is kind of now the de facto. Yes, you may have slight modifications in other geos, but usually you just say, well, we have to do GDPR for all of our EU business, so let's just use it everywhere. And so I could see that coming along for the Cyber Resiliency Act and the other pieces that are coming out of the EU. They tend to be slightly more aggressive and progressive in trying to address this security and privacy issue. Absolutely. And I think, you know, especially with IOXT, we're not here to recreate the wheel by any means. We want to help with the harmonization, not fragmentation. So we're incorporating GDPR and Etsy 303, 645 and CLS where we can, helping with the overlap. And so making sure that it's not just, oh, we're another organization and it's another certification to go and get on top of all the others. It's like, hey, we really do want to be that one certification to help manufacturers be able to sell into multiple different markets and get all the different certifications so that it just makes it easier, it's less time-consuming, and really moves the standards forward. Grace, we've talked a lot about the different privacy and security pieces and the things that IOXT is doing and some really great work. So congratulations there. But I would like to kind of dip into the crystal ball a little bit and kind of look at a little bit of horizon scanning, not maybe to the extent that I normally do, but maybe like in that shorter term, 18 to 24 month time frame. Where do you see things going in the IoT and connected space? Like what's going to happen to the end user and the end user space? And then what are you concerned about? And kind of what are you excited about? So I think in the next 18, 24 months, you're going to see a lot of innovation, especially with AI models, right? And just IoT in general. There's always new and improved ways of doing things and having different devices to help with things. So I'm really excited to see the new things that are coming out. But I think the regulations will also help with the privacy and standards and the cyber trust mark. So I believe that actually within the 18 to 24 month time frame, you'll see the rollout of the full program. You'll see manufacturers coming in and obtaining the mark. You'll see that shift in consumers who are going to look for the mark, which is going to, I believe, change the whole name of the game. I really do have a lot of faith in the cyber trust mark and how it's going to impact not just the US devices and manufacturers, but all over the world. But what I'm concerned about is that it may come at a cost and it's for both sides, manufacturers, for consumers. But I think that there's a lot of learning that still needs to be done. You know, with the consumers, again, they don't necessarily know everything about a device and all the technicalities. And so I'm concerned on the education piece. And how are they going to know this? What type of campaign is going to go out there to really help them understand and know and trust that mark 
There's a little bit of work that I believe still needs to be done, but if it's done well, it could change the game for IoT devices and standards in general. That's really great. And I think you're spot on. I can see that over the 18 to 24 month period, the rollout of these various pieces of regulation from the US, the EU and elsewhere. And I can also see a vast proliferation of devices and more and more connected things. Maybe not to the point where technologists and hobbyists and tinkers have wanted to go as far as these whole home automations. I still consider that to be a bespoke space and not mass market, simply because I don't think that mass market is ready for it yet. I think they would get too aggravated and frustrated if things arbitrarily started happening because of an automation that they weren't fully familiar with and they didn't understand why it was working like you're in the your front room reading a book at night and all of a sudden all the lights go out because it's programmed because you haven't moved and it doesn't know that you're there and then it goes into nighttime mode and you're like wait a minute so i think there's a little bit of work that still needs to be done there i know some people are really big into automation and i don't mean to discourage that i just i don't think that's mass market yet but i do see these other things definitely coming down the pipe in the 18 to 24 months time frame yeah, you know, you really hear about how it's projected to have billions of devices out in the world by 2030, 2050, you know, whoever you talk to. And I definitely see that, you know, if you go to CES or the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas in January, you see so many new products and they're in automotive, they're in the home, they're in the workplace, they're in industrial. So, I mean, it, just anything that you could think of, you're starting to see. And it's really cool because there's new products and they can help you to get your work done or get your chores done or just have a drink at the end of the day. And so they're very cool, very exciting, but you're wondering, okay, these are all new products. What type of security goes into them? And are they thinking about security or are they just like, hey, I've got this cool product. Everybody should use it. So I think that there's a lot of potential and it's really cool. You know, you don't want to stop the innovation ever, but I just want to make sure that these new guys and the new innovations are concerned with security and transparency, upgradability, privacy, just spare, bare minimum security at best, right? Yeah. Yeah. You walk the CES show floor and you see all of the toys and the various things that are all now internet connected. And I look at it from the lens of a threat actor and I'm like, oh, like this is going to be awful. You know, <laughs> this is going to be the makings of some Hollywood horror film where, you know, we indoctrinate kids from the time they're six months old and, you know, we start giving them stuff and terrorizing them. And then all these devices with AI start coming alive and we grow a whole generation of children that are just terrified of anything that's electronic. So, <laughs> Yeah, I know. We've got right movies already, Terminator and Skynet. And it's like, oh, don't let the robots take over. <laughs> so my closing question today is kind of tied into what we were just talking about. And that is, is the Jetson style home from the 1970s cartoon possible? I think it's already happening to an extent. So I've got my robot vacuum cleaner here. I've got my robot 
cat food cleaner and cat litter box. And we've got the microwaves, right? That can cook up your food. And so, I mean, some of the non-smart stuff too, your refrigerator that can order your groceries for you when it sees that it's out. So I think we're getting there. I don't know about the flying cars and living in the sky besides skyscrapers, right? But I think we're at a really cool point in time where some of what the Jetsons had thought up as a really cool futuristic thing, FaceTime was one. Oh, I can see somebody face to face without actually being there. It's happening, which is really cool in my opinion. I don't know about you, but I'm like, wow, something that they thought of decades ago that it could be futuristic and way, way in the future is happening today. You're living it. You're interacting with it now. And there's just more to come. So I think when it comes to some of the other things that are not quite there yet, doesn't mean that it couldn't. I think you're only limited by what you believe you can actually do. That's fantastic. Yeah, I definitely can see that. I do see it more as a human interaction, you know, maybe being able to talk to your home and having the AI systems or the large language models be around voice recognition and being able to understand more complex things. So you could talk to your house and have it do various things. Because once you do enable that, it's very nice to be able to say, you know, basically house, turn on the lights in the front room or house, can you turn off all the lights in the house because it's time for bed, you know, or whatever. Can you make sure the back door's locked? And so... Yeah, I think the only thing to be concerned of is does this turn into a Black Mirror episode, right? You go from Jetsons to Black Mirror real quick if you're not if you're not careful. <laughs> right. Well, Grace, thank you for coming on the podcast today on Smarter Everything. It was really fantastic to sit and talk with you. Thanks for giving us some insight into what IOXT is and what they do. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was a joy to be here. Great talking with you. Thank you so much for joining us today for this episode of Smarter Everything. We really love feedback, so please consider taking a moment to send us a comment or a rating on Apple Podcasts. And if you have time and you like this episode, please consider subscribing. We'll see you next time for Smarter Everything.